Hello and welcome to Explore, the regular podcast from the University of Exeter's student communications team. In each episode, we explore a different topic with students, staff and alumni, which reflects the richness of life within our global community. This episode is a recording from our Mind Over Natter wellbeing series, in which university alumna and Paralympian Izzy Bailey reflects on her time at Exeter and shares her journey to Rio in 2016 as part of the Shooting Paris Sports Squad. I'm Izzy Bailey. I went to Exeter. I started back in 2012 uh, with my undergrad, uh, finished in 2016, came back in 2019 and finished my master's in 2021. So two best since ex university um i love it and i would have never gone anywhere else um when i chose ex university back in 2012 um i hadn't had my injury yet so i wasn't playing paralympic sport i was a hockey player and big part of my choosing exeter was was for the sport and for the for the prestige they had with their hockey team um my first year i made the first 11 hockey team had an absolute blast loved every minute of it and then um, went home for the summer holidays in 2013, um, was in a car crash. Um, in that car crash, sustained a spinal cord injury, which left me paralysed from the waist down. Um, and it was from that moment that sort of obviously my sporting trajectory changed quite drastically. Um, so I was in rehabilitation with my spinal cord injury in 2013 for about six months. Um, and it was during my rehab that somebody suggested to me um, trying shooting. So I was lucky at the time that the British Paralympic shooting team were training right down the road from where I was doing my rehabilitation. So somebody came along and just said, you should go down, even if it's just as a pastime. Um, they knew I was sporty, so they wanted me to, to get back into sport and, and rediscover that competitive element as well as being with a team of, of sporty people again um, and it was fabulous as soon as I went in the door I was surrounded by people who had set aside whatever had happened to them you know injuries or illness um, had settled that aside and they were there to compete they were there to play sport so in a way as soon as I entered that shooting environment I was able to forget this huge event that had happened in my life and just ignore it for a second and just be a normal athlete again, just get stuck into something that I really found I enjoyed. Um, as soon as I went in, the the, the two disciplines that, that Paralympic shooting offers is rifle shooting and pistol shooting. Um, I went down, the pistol coach handed me a pistol and said, here, hold this, point it that way, let's see what you've got. Um, and obviously he, he liked what he saw, he saw that I had natural talent for it. So he gave me a training program and um, and that was that. I've been on this journey ever since. He um, he was fantastic. He was a ex-Russian coach. He was super experienced. And so I felt really honoured that he saw in me a newly injured, weak 19-year-old such promise. Um, and it made me, it gave me my confidence back. You know, after years of slugging away on AstroTurf and thinking that, you know, hockey was the be all and end all, I'd found a new sport. I'd never tried it before. I was really lucky to be presented with the opportunity. Um, 
and he just gave me my confidence back that there was still going to be opportunities for sporting excellence in my future despite my paralysis I was now a, a wheelchair user full-time so between 2013 and 2015 um, the Paralympic squad were moving towards the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games and I kind of stepped on board about halfway through that Paralympic cycle so I had about two years to until the Rio 2016 Games and I wasn't expected to go to the to the 16 Games um, they had me more earmarked for the 2020 Games, um, but worked really hard on my coach. And at the time, the squad was quite large. So I was um, competing against men and women, both shooting pistol, um, pushing each other basically to, to achieve the best that we could achieve, regardless of whatever had happened to us in our past. All the different injuries, all the different sort of walks of life that come together in Paralympic sport. They're all sort of set aside and you're striving towards the same goal. And it just felt massive. It was the most important thing that had happened to me post-injury at that time was to be part of that team. It was just brilliant. And they gave me perspective. They gave me new goals. Um, and they really did. And it's very cliche. They did. They made me who I am now, which I'm very grateful for. Um, in 2015, there were the qualifiers for the Rio 2016 Paralympic Games. And I narrowly missed out by one place. And I was heartbroken. Honestly, I was so heartbroken at this time. I put everything I had into it, everything I had into these two years of training, this very short buildup that I had. I'd become British champion. I'd competed on the world stage six or seven times. Um, I'd won a few team medals with my pistol shooting team. And I really thought that maybe I could just clinch a quota place for the 2016 Games. But it wasn't to be. I missed out by one place. Um, so I kind of boxed up my guns for the winter and was going to take a long break. And then my manager called me and he said, um, do you want the good news or the bad news? And I thought, oh, no. What's going on? I said, OK. OK, bad news first. Come on, hit me with the bad news. And he says, oh, I'm going to need you to um, to unbox your pistol and to dust it off. I said, OK. Why, what's the, what's the good news? He says, you've been awarded a wild card to the 2016 Rio Games. And I was in the middle of Cheltenham and I just, <laughs> I almost dropped my phone. Oh my goodness. It was a huge, it was almost a relief. It was a huge, huge weight off my shoulders to know that I had worked hard enough. And even though I'd missed out by a hair, that my efforts and my ability had been recognised by the Paralympic um, selection squads and I was going to go to Rio with my teammates and compete on the biggest stage that there is. And uh, it was one of the, the best phone calls I've ever had, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I went to Rio on a wild card and had the time of my life. I came 14th. Um, I was only shooting one event at that time. so. I was quite lucky in that I got to go to Rio, settle, experience the highs and sun and the other sports and other teams and and really get to grips with what it's like to be at a Games. Um, I shot my competition, which was completed in one day, um, loved every minute of it, didn't want it to end. And then I had the rest of the, um, the Games to watch my other teammates, watch new friends in other sports uh, and just just 
appreciate how far I had come in such a short time. And one of the one of the things I remember most about Rio was I took myself off in the village away. There was a long there were long walkways around. They had done a fantastic job in Brazil, um, and there were lots of sort of lakes and rivers and water features and stuff in the village that you could go in peaceful areas, go and think. A lot of athletes obviously using these spaces for mental health and mindset reasons. I took myself away to one of these spaces and just sat and I looked down the Paralympic village with all its comings and goings, um, hustle and bustle. And beyond it, you could see the sea, mountains um, and other parts of Brazil. And I just thought, look where you are. Just look at how far you have come. You know, you are not injured four years yet. I was three and a half years post-injury. The, the most life-changing thing that ever happened to me and I hope will ever happen to me. Um, and like from one of the darkest points had come this huge achievement and all from just taking up this one opportunity to go and shoot pistol at, as a pastime. And, and also I graduated that summer as well. So it was a pretty good summer for me. I, I was having a good time. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I sat there in the village and I looked down and I thought, wow, how lucky am I? How lucky am I that I, I took that opportunity? Um, I ran with it, if you pardon the pun. And, um, and something so great has come from it. I've met, I've met hundreds of people from all around the world. I have traveled the world. I have, I couldn't have asked for more from this career. And, and all because, you know, I took these opportunities and didn't know where they would lead. But luckily, they led to the very top. Um, so that was 2016. Um, and after 2016, the shooting program hadn't performed so well out in Rio. So there was a huge program restructure. And unfortunately, one of the staff they restructured was my coach. Um, and he was the only coach I'd ever known through my pistol shooting career. And he was sort of a surrogate grandpa. He was... Um, he was this harsh ex-military Russian granddad who I respected. I trusted every word that he ever spoke to me. And I realized when they cut him from the program and, and replaced him with, the, with someone I didn't know, that I had become so dependent on my coach. His name is Vlad. I'd become so dependent on him that it really knocked my my motivation for even carrying on. And it made me stop and, and think. And I thought to myself, well, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Am I doing it for myself or am I doing it to prove him right, that he was right to select me above others for his faith and time into coaching me? Um, and now he's gone. Do I still want to carry on? And I thought to myself, if I carry on, I need to reassess why I'm doing this and and what I want from it. And I learned at that point that it was going to be so important for me moving forward in my career. And it applies to my shooting as well as every other aspect of my life to have perspective, to constantly reassess why you're doing something. Are you enjoying it? Do you live for it? Do you love it? And, and what do you want your end goal to be? So. When my coach was let go in 2017, um, I met 
my new and now current coach, Steve. And um, he won't mind me saying we had a rather tricky start. <laughs> I I went into it thinking there could be no better coach than Vlad. Um, what have you got to teach me that he couldn't teach me? I had my hackles up and I was I was not um, I, I didn't make myself particularly coachable, to put it that way. And then I realised that Steve was a fantastic coach. And I realised that their coaching styles were so, so different. But actually, his coaching style probably suits me better than the original coach I had had. And um, ever since we got past that sticky start, um, yeah, we've been through multiple international competitions, highs, lows, personal bests, new shooting events. Um, and he's taken me from strength to strength. One of the one of the biggest achievements that I consider in my shooting career, um, after I got the wild card for my Rio entry, I wanted in the for the Tokyo 2020 games to win my own quota place outright. So to win Great Britain, a women's pistol shooting place at the games rather than just to be handed the wild card. Um, and I told Steve this, I told him that was my motivation to move forward. Um, and we worked on that. And in 2019, at the Sydney World Championships, I won my quota place. And I was over the moon, but I tell you, he was more over the moon than me or for Steve. He was so supportive. And it just, it showed me in, you know, the years we've been together and in that moment especially that I didn't I didn't work for him I didn't do it for him but we were in this journey together and to have somebody that supportive and give you that much confidence I just I felt so lucky all over again um there was no way I was going all the way to Australia and coming back with nothing so <laughs> to go to Australia I narrowly missed out on the on the final out there but um I finished ninth um, won the quota place and just saw myself in my mind on that plane to Tokyo and I just thrilled again a different experience to the build-up to Rio but again completely grateful relieved um, and and again looking forward but one of the things that um, one of the things I try and tell a lot of athletes and or anyone that that listens is that perspective for me was really difficult at this time so between 2018 and 2019 after Rio the squad had shrunk a lot the staff had changed we had lost a lot of funding um so we were very sort of an insular group we had gone from being a squad of 19 funded athletes to a squad of seven so it was at times we did tread on each other's toes at times things were quite fraught um if one person was nervous everybody felt it it was quite a difficult environment to be in. And uh, four of the athletes had already qualified for, for the game. So they were going to Sydney without too much pressure. But I knew that the pressure was on me in Sydney um, to qualify. And there, there was one more opportunity to qualify after that. But like I said, I didn't want to fly all the way to Australia to have nothing to bring home. I wanted to bring back a quota place. That was my goal. Um, and in my first event, my 25 metre pistol, that was the one I had 
really poured my heart and soul into training that event. And I thought I was going to win my quota place in that competition. And I started and um, I made a big mistake. I made a complete rookie error. Um, that competition is shot in series of five shots. And in one series of five shots, I only took four shots. And I've never done it before. I've never done it after. And I can't explain why, but, you know, I missed out on a shot. So immediately you are down 10 points on where you should have been. So there's no way I was going to win a quota place. Um, I did. I did end up shooting a PB somehow. I really battled through the second half of the competition, but I'd missed out on the quota place. I was mortified. I was embarrassed. I was panicking. I was nervous. But, but my coach is as calm as a as oh, he's just like still water. Nothing. Nothing can trouble him. Um, I came off the fire point, panicking, shaking, nervous, almost crying. And he smoothed everything over and he said, no, well done on your PB. Focus on the highs and we're going to move forward into your next competition because you've still got another chance um, at the quota place. And I was nodding and, and kind of half listening and all this stuff, went away to, to gather my thoughts. And I went to watch some other competitions that were going on at the time. And I sat at the back with a shooter from Ireland who had also had a bit of a rubbishy first shoot. And he said to me, you know what? We've all come here and, and we've lost perspective. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're completely right. You're completely right. And he said, we're trying so hard to be Paralympians that we've forgotten why we started doing this. And it was like an epiphany, honestly. He was so right. No, we had all started shooting, taking up this sport for different reasons, but most of us post-injury or most of us because we couldn't play able-bodied sport. So we'd taken up this sport for enjoyment as a baseline for enjoyment, for, for competition, for, for team spirit, camaraderie, to see how far we could take it because we enjoyed the act of shooting, traveling, competing, all of these things. At a base level, we do it because we love it. And we realised that going to these competitions and making it all about becoming a Paralympian, we didn't love it anymore. We didn't love that pressure cooker. But it's only because we had ourselves put this different spin on it, that there's the pressure now of becoming a Paralympian, of winning this quota place, of beating everyone else. And, and it's just taken away that edge about shooting that we loved. And he was completely right. You know, he said, we're trying so hard to be Paralympians. We've forgotten why we started this. And that really sank in and it sat with me. And the next day when I went to the fire point to shoot, I thought to myself, that's how I need to think about this. I've seen people who should be at the top fall to the bottom because they're trying too hard. They're trying so hard to win that quota place. They've forgotten why they started it and they aren't sitting there on the fire point shooting and enjoying it. They're hating every minute of it because they put too much pressure on themselves. So I sat down and I thought, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to love this. Whatever I come away with, I'm in Australia shooting for my country. I am going to love every minute of it. So I did sat there and it started going pretty well. And I thought, ooh, ooh, getting excited. 
told myself, calm down, enjoy every minute of it. I did. I managed, got through to the end. I looked up onto the scoreboard and I worked out who who had quotas already and who didn't. And that it was mine. Quota place was mine. And I just felt like finally I had worked out what I needed to do here, what I needed to do in the sport, which was just enjoy it, enjoy it. No matter what the situation, an A-class competition, a, a national competition, the Paralympic Games, just enjoy it. Because no matter how you come away from the from the fire point, whether you've come last or whether you've won gold, if you hated every minute of it, why are you there? You know? So I just I've carried that with me. I tried to carry it with me for every everything else I've done after that. All of the training sessions I've been to overseas and national competitions. Um, however I'm feeling at the time, I've struggled with injury for a, a year and a half now. Um, but whatever I decide to do, I decide to do it because I enjoy it. I've taken a long break to give myself time to like come back around to to loving it because we were in that sort of Tokyo bubble for so long. Um, we did lose motivation. Everybody did. It was so difficult to to maintain motivation when there's no international competition and and the games have been postponed and you're wondering are they going to be cancelled? But I've taken a break. I'm back into shooting now and really enjoyed my first sessions back. It's been great. But yeah, no, I mean, that's just something that I think I really wanted to share with with you is that it's really easy to watch athletes and and see what they post on Instagram and see what flashes up on the BBC with the medals and the the podiums and the success stories. And then occasionally you get know a real shocking um non-success story or, or or a surprise result or something but, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and there's so so many conversations and debates that we have with ourselves and with others that you know even though I've been doing this now nearly eight years I'm still working my way through it I'm still working out why why do I do this at, at any particular time what am I working towards and is it fitting in with how the other things I'm doing in my life at the moment? Like what's important to me? It was important to me to go back and get my master's. So I did. Um, I did the master's part time so I could still shoot. And occasionally I took time out of shooting to focus on a big essay or my dissertation or something. And it did take a while for me to remind myself that keeping up my other interests did not mean a lack of focus in my sport. It meant continuing with the things that make me who I am that build up my identity and my identity is not just a shooter um you know ask anybody the first and foremost is my education I'm actually surrounded by books at the minute that don't fit on my shelves but I'm can't see them which is great because I look very messy um <laughs> but yeah just something that I really love telling to other athletes and um if I ever go into school groups or university groups is that you know, especially high level athletes who are focusing on that sport and those sporting ambitions, don't lose sight of other things that are important to you because they're not less important. They make you who you are and they make you a more well-rounded person than you're not just an athlete is, is what I, I constantly remind myself. Um, and I always hark back to those conversations that I had with the Irish shooter Scoob 
um, which reminds me, you know, we need to remember why we started this. And I'll finish off by saying that's how I started this season. This is our first um, our first month back after the Tokyo Games into full training. Um, I won't. I'm not ashamed to say I was absolutely dreading it because Tokyo was a very very difficult build up and competition. Um, the results for the shooting team weren't what we wanted them to be. But um, yeah, I've kept that positive mindset and I'm reminding myself that this year, above all other years, I'm going to make it a fun year. I'm going to enjoy it. And if I don't enjoy it, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go train with some different people on a different range, change it up, make it a game, make it interesting and keep my passion for it going. Um, and remember why I started this, which was to pull me out of the darkest place I'd ever been in. And it put me, you know, as high up in sport as as an athlete can get. And, and that's what I need to remember and be grateful for and hold on to in, in times when, when I doubt myself and doubt why I'm still doing this. With thanks to Exeter alumna and Paralympian Izzy Bailey for sharing her sporting and wellbeing journey with us. Thanks for listening to Explore, the regular podcast from the student communications team. You can find more podcasts reflecting life at the University of Exeter by searching for Explore on your preferred podcast provider. You'll also be able to follow or subscribe for future episodes.